0: An unmatched dual threat.
1: Blue liar
2: Let's fuck this shit. It's only a game. Why do you have to? Be-
1: hey guys welcome back to puck bunnies a podcast that's about sports definitely we are presented by blue wire and this week we're sponsored by lifeway my name's christina my name's audrey and this week we are so happy to welcome from the athletic from peg city way up north Mara Atesh, who is the beat writer for the winnipeg jets for the athletic so happy to have you
0: I'm so happy to be here. I'm a huge fan of the pod. (laughs) Long-time listener, second-time guest, first time with both of you. I'm thrilled.
1: How have the last couple of days been? How's the adjustment period been going?
0: Um, It's kind of crazy to go from from pandemic pause and all that scrambling that you do to figure out what's going to be interesting or what your readership wants to read, and then you actually have real hockey to talk about and everybody's fired up for it. And it's just like, it's the long painful anti-joke is what this last week has been it just lands on this rhythm of okay all of a sudden here's the playoffs and then there they go and now what the can i swear on your podcast
1: as much as you want
0: and then now now what the fuck are we gonna do right yeah that's kind of right before we started
1: recording i was telling audrey how much i was looking forward to talking about like what the jets are gonna do they have nothing in the pipeline and it seems like they they're hinging all of their playoff hopes on a 10th pick
0: Yeah, that would be a bold play. That would be a bold strategy for sure. I, I think even last summer, before the season started, before Bufflin was out, the Athletic Winnipeg preview of the Jets said there's going to be a retool there's going to be a step back this is not a contending team this year it's a bubble team it's a it's an eight nine kind mm-hmm. of team and then Buffalo goes out right so that's a problem and that's something that winnipeg is still reeling from dylan DeMello, i don't know if the world knows i don't know if the puck bunnies know yet how good dylan DeMello is as let them know He is so smart. He is such a smart player. And like you hear people talk about like players with big brains and who read the game quickly and all that sort of stuff. And it's usually a cliche. And then the puck goes into his corner. And then he shoulder checks just like a driver. He knows where all five guys are. And he makes the breakout pass and it's clean and nobody was able to do it all year.
1: So he's rotating a cube in his mind because his brain is so big and he can just like... Please. He has fully developed his brain because he's in his mid-20s. So scientifically speaking, he's as smart as he's going to get. And I'm glad that the Jets are going to be able to take advantage of that. <laughs> get him out there!
0: Well, they need to sign him as the thing. So all of a sudden, like Winnipeg's defense was brutal all year. Like by defensive metrics, expected goals, all of that sort of stuff, Winnipeg's defense was awful. You watch them in their own zone and they're doing the best they can, but it's in their own zone. And he was the first little bit of the Jets actually turning the tide against that they were kind of 50-50 against Calgary it was their special teams that let them down so badly and the absence of Shifley of course so you have Morrissey you have Pianchi you have DeMello and then a bunch of young guys in prayers and that is a problem that is definitely a problem heading into the offseason and, and the number one well in any other offseason it would be the number one thing to worry about but now they've got a second line center issue too so right. it, it is a little bit troublesome in Winnipeg
1: casting your mind back to the beginning of the season, which now feels about five years ago. 500 years. Did you have a vision for what this season was going to look like for the Jets or what it was supposed to look like? And how did that begin to differ over the and course win. of the season?
0: Yeah, my, my vision was this. It was going to be 50-50 to make the playoffs because I thought the defense was going to take a step back. I thought the forwards were as good as ever, and I had faith in Connor Hellebuck. And it's weird because they were the ninth seed in the end, which makes it seem like I was right. But so much shit happened in in between. And I would say like the moment that it veered off course was the day before training camp when Mm -hmm. Dustin Bufflin says that, hey, you know, I'm going to take a pause here.
1: By the way, I'm not coming to training camp, just letting you know.
0: Just letting you all know you need me, but I got my own thing to do.
1: (laughs) Came down to the wire. I know it's a little rude to give such short notice, but here we are. It's called self-care, look it up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was exactly it. That was the day before camp started. And then it just got weirder from there. You um, You had Brian Little take a puck that went through the ear hole of his helmet and they hit him in the head. He had an, he had needed to have ear surgery, but he also had a head injury with, with his brain. And he's still reeling yes. from that and hasn't played since then. You had injuries to... Mason Appleton broke his ankle playing football before the Heritage Classic. It was supposed to be like a, a warm, soft, fuzzy moment for everybody. They're playing football outside. He breaks his ankle
1: think they should be allowed to do that anymore yeah I, I think that with, probably put an end to like the pre-heritage classic football tradition or whatever <laughs> it probably is I actually stand with uh Justin Bourne I don't think they should be able to play any games other than hockey they can't play under the stadium nothing no they, they should it's be bubble risky. wrapped yes <laughs>
0: This is such an unfair aside, but I remember thinking years ago, I heard that Tiger Woods missed a, a, like one, a big tournament or at least some tournament he was meant to play in because of a back injury sustained while sleeping. And at the time, I remember thinking to myself, well, you know, but golf's not a real sport or whatever. How does he miss because he was sleeping? Now we know about affairs and other things. So there's all sorts of things right. that maybe they shouldn't be able to do if you want to bubble wrap them and keep them safe.
1: They should have to be quarantined <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah, they should have We've never solved been it. Now. Like we've solved it with the pandemic and sending them to the bubbles that, okay, well, if you just keep everybody in isolation and all they're allowed to do is like go everywhere in groups and not be around anybody else, they'll be fine. They'll be
0: fine. They'll be completely fine. And maybe that's the ticket for next year as well. So anyway, the chapters of this season were before the season where I thought everything was gonna be normal. There's the Bufflin chapter, which was the entire first half of this season. Then there was the When is the bottom going to drop out because they're spending so much time in their own zone and Connor Hellebuck's keeping them in it. So the results are what you'd expect, but it's just like onslaught after onslaught against the Jets. And then towards the end of the year, they started to get healthy and it was the is this team any good sort of chapter as well. And I think that they showed okay against Calgary, but it wasn't good enough. And and, and I think the best team won and here we are. And and now who knows what's coming up in the in the offseason.
1: And a lot of the series against Calgary, I mean, we talked about was just horrible luck. The Kachuk on Shifley, resulting injury, having four players out for Game 3 or Game 4 was just... And A. It was the worst and also most appropriate end for the Jets season, in my opinion, for like two star players to just not be able to play and one of them injured gruesomely. Pretty gruesomely. They really liked (laughs) that clip. Yes. They really love to play the whole thing. And as someone who's like dislocated by kneecap, did not like seeing that very much. But it's just such a bummer because I am, for some reason, a huge Peg City fan. Love Blake Wheeler. Would love to see him win a cup. And you would love to see him, period. I would love to (laughs) see (laughs) him. I would like to respectfully like look at him. And anyway, it's just it's such a tragic ending to a team that always seemed right on the bubble of getting to the Stanley Cup, but not quite.
0: Yeah, now it's a huge step. It feels like a huge step back. And you're so right. It was the most Jets ending. I mean, Shifley out five minutes yeah. and 39 seconds. It was the end of his third shift. And it's kind of a freak play. I have, I have opinions on, on the reach out of the leg on, on that. I don't think it's a safe play. I don't think he was trying to cut him or anything like that. But the instinct to just get a piece of him, that is going to hurt people, uh, whether it's as bad as it was for Shifley or not. And then line A and Appleton and then Perot and then Tucker Pullman taking a shot block off the face, coming back with like, a baseball in his cheek and then still blocking shots after that you know it was very it was very jets it was very jets
1: i have like a really random question does it hurt whenever the goalie gets slapped with the puck or is he covered too much to feel it where like on like like if it got right in the chest
0: you see bruises on connor hellebuck like through his padding and all that sort of stuff depending you do yeah
1: what do you think about his performance in these playoffs, and what does that say for his future with the franchise? Is he gonna win the Vesna? He's
0: gonna win the Vesna. It would be it would be ridiculous if he didn't. He had the best season by far, and I've said that to so many people since November. If it if he doesn't, I will flip a table or a pool or whatever I have to flip
1: or pool man or
0: a pool man. <laughs> I'll call up Tucker. He doesn't win.
1: Tucker Pullman is a great fucking hockey name. It is, it
0: is, Connor Hellebuck didn't steal a game, which is what he needed to do for Winnipeg to win. And it's kind of what, when I thought everybody was going to be healthy, I thought it was 50-50, then Hellebuck steals a game, and so Winnipeg wins the play-in and loses in round one. That's kind of how I saw it. But, like, to take some sort of conclusion from four games of play and say that this tarnishes the season or makes it makes him unclutch or, or makes us worry about his... Fe- I, I have no time for that. It's just such a tiny sample. The one thing that we have a big sample of is that when... When he plays the puck behind the net, sometimes shit happens. And that's going to be a concern. He
1: loves to do it. He but loves I, to know, play that puck. You know, puck. that applies to pretty much every goalie in the league, right? We're seeing some of that in the playoffs. And it makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> I get so nervous whenever I see, like, Mike Smith or Hellebuck. I get so nervous feet. whenever I see Mike Smith. Period. <laughs> <laughs> but, Actually, I yeah. wonder if that's more of a tr- I mean, like, we don't have time to go into this. But I'd be really interested to see if goalies playing the puck is, like, a new trend. Because I feel like everybody's doing it these days. And they got to stop.
0: I don't feel like it's new because you can go back to, like, 90s Brodeur as, like, you know, everybody talked about how many yes. breakout, breakouts he started and how he changed the way teams dump pucks in and all that sort of stuff. But I honestly don't think that you cut back so many chances doing that stuff that it's worth it, especially when you mm-hmm. give up freebies from time to time.
1: How much is the potential goalie assist worth to you, I guess?
0: Maybe that's it. Maybe it's the swagger of that. Connor Halbuck saw Mikael Burden, the Manitoba Moose goalie, you know, score a goal at one point, and now he's lagging behind, right? His point totals aren't quite what they could be.
1: I think, what, in January or February, when Pekka did it? It might have inspired everybody. They're trying to so hard. That was hard. huge. That was, that was the coolest day. It was so slow. <laughs> <laughs> How has it been covering this when you haven't even been able to be in the arena, when you're not even in the same province? How has it been different?
0: I agonized, like, back and forth. We, there was, at one point, a chance that I was going to go, and I would have gone. Um, But I agonized about that and had to do the pros and cons list a whole bunch of times, right? Because the people in the building were still stuck covering via Zoom call, right? Like they were still limited to the same less than ideal availabilities that we had. It wasn't like there were these side one-on-one conversations. You're not allowed in the same room as a player in the same building or, uh, or in the same hotel, let's say. So the typical advantages of being on site weren't really there. Uh, at the same, it would have been cool. It would have been cool to just see how surreal it was. But if you're going to be me and like, you know, suggest that you know my angle of covering things is usually will be a little bit nerdier, right? I'll cut, I'll cut some clips together. I'll make some charts. I'll be like, here's the story, but here's also you know how a play went that that changed things. It's pretty easy to do that from a living room. So I try to enjoy, I try to enjoy a comfy chair and a, and a fresh cup of coffee in a way that I wouldn't otherwise get to do.
1: Whatever snacks you actually want to have instead of just what's available to you. No more stale bagels. They probably don't get snacks in the press box right now. Oh no, they just get like sealed hand sanitizer <laughs> yeah. It smells like methyl alcohol, so they gin hands for the rest of the day.
0: I didn't even ask. That's compelling. Thomas Drantz, what are you eating in Edmonton right now?
1: Press box snack watch. Christina, you know that I have been looking for some sort of probiotic food to help balance out my gut that I'm not allergic to, because I'm allergic to a lot of like stuff that has dairy in it, right? I know, and you've been looking for this for about a year and a half now. I've been here for the whole process, and I, I love it for you. I am so excited about our partnership with Lifeway Kiefer, because I can have kefir. I'm not allergic to it. It's full of protein, and it's full of probiotics. Quick question, um, what exactly is a probiotic? So a probiotic is a type of bacterial culture that helps regulate your gut. You hear about it a lot because it's in yogurt, right? LifeWay Kiefer has 12 different probiotic cultures, which means that it has up to 30 billion units. That's double the amount that is in yogurt. Kefir is actually also really good for your skin and LifeWay Kefir contains alpha hydroxy acid, which improves your skin health. And you know that you and I are all about skincare. I put AHAs on my face every night, why not put them in my body as well? I'm really excited about this. If you want to learn more about LifeWay Kiefer, you can go to www.lifewaykiefer.com. Coming back to the Shifley injury, about kind of the unique difficulties that covering something like that right now has, can you take us through like that happening in the game and how you tried to cover it after it happened?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it happens in the game and your your mind starts racing because you know that it's it's a big deal. He, he went down and immediately from TV, it was just so much pain that he was in. And like people in the building heard it like they, they heard the, the whales, I think was the word. First and foremost, you tweet about it, right? And
1: of course, we gotta do that. Number one.
0: And I think I guessed, I guessed right because it happens quickly and you're tweeting before you've seen it 78 times, right? You say the clip goes around all the time right now. But the first time you've seen it and then you fire out your opinion and I say that it looked like Kachuk reached out, his leg got a piece of uh, of Scheifele's back leg and uh, I'm not sure what the incident was sort of thing. So uh, I'm glad that my initial sight was kind of what happened. And then you, uh, as the game goes on, you just you cut and you use your pvr and you go backwards and you watch it a whole bunch of times so that you do feel like you know what happened and then it sort of just it took on a life of its own because right after the game you know you're going to get an update you know everybody's going to get asked about it and then paul Maurice goes off right he makes it a story
1: I wanted to ask you about that specifically like he really popped off as they say (laughs) and how do you how do you feel about that because i was almost like this is almost crossing a line to me and also i remember when we had you on earlier in the year we were like oh yes paul maurice very lovely man reasonable very kind when i talked to christina about this i was like this is such a wrestling move to kind of get people fired up it's great content whatever he's doing he's getting attention for it whether or not like that's the result that he actually wants. But yeah, I was curious about like, if you had ever seen that before, what kind of effects you had largely on the team?
0: It was the first time that I've seen him go, sort of break character, right? That that's, what mm-hmm. I, that's how it felt to me, is that he doesn't go off like that. And he was saying it was intentionally, he was trying to cut him. And it's so far from how I perceived it too. It's just like my first reactions were two things. One, Paul, you're wrong. Two, this is a character break. So then I, that was primed in the back of my mind for the rest of his press conference, where he also started talking about how a lot of the game was his fault. He didn't give his team consistent lines. He, he screwed up a couple of times trying to give them a rhythm. And then by the end of it, my conclusion was one of two things. It was that he was beyond himself, so he wasn't making a whole lot of sense. And I, took, I turned that one down. I think what it was, was he was trying to make the story about him. He was trying to make the story away from the game, away from um, Winnipeg being down one nothing, away from all those sorts of things. I thought that he was trying to become the lightning rod. I don't think it worked. I don't think it fired anyone up, it, like, with any extra fire. I, I don't know... That the outcome was worth it, but that that was my read at the moment. He was just trying to.
1: When you've got Matthew Kachuk in the mix, you're never gonna be the lightning rod. Also, <laughs> like that spot is taken. I saw the funniest headline today, where it was like Mark Shifley has forgiven Matthew Kachuk, <laughs> and I was like, oh, like, oh how benevolent! Like, <laughs> <and I'm> like, <laughs> I know. Like, thank you, thank you, Saints. <laughs> what <We, laughs> happened to a worse person? Because as someone who's watched a ton of Peg City games, you really just—it's such a joy to watch him play. He's such a nice man, and I I miss him, <laughs> and please tell him that I hope he gets better.
0: Will do. Yeah, he's so freaking nice, is the thing. Yeah,
1: I... so freaking nice. Uh,
0: you don't want it to be him, you don't want it to be the villain that hurts him, all those sorts of things, yeah.
1: But yeah, it was pretty crazy the, um, I think Matthew Kachuk was trying to cut him on purpose take was, uh, I mean, it was so out there that I kind of had the same reaction as you, I was like... I don't think he knows what he's talking about or I think he's doing this just to get hyped up and that's why it was so weird because that's so not NHL Mm -hmm. and it's not him either, you know Paul Maurice is like pretty known for straight talking
0: yeah, he's the composed one what do you think of the forgiveness thing? Actually, I wanted to like go back to that word because I talked to, away from it and around it. But he he says his parents taught him to wish the best upon everyone and that he has no hard feelings and all of those sorts of things. And I hear a guy trying so hard and probably successfully, but not a guarantee, trying so hard to reframe things in a way he can move on from and just deal with. Yeah. Can that work? Is that human? Is that or is that is that just freaking Mark Shifley?
1: You know what? He must be seeing a really good therapist or has in the past who has taught him to like reframe bad things that happen to you. And he's like, I'm going to learn from this. It's going to be fine. But also, I think it's really easy when you look at a player like Matthew Kachuk, you say, "Okay, but this guy is going to have to live with this reputation for the rest of his career. Like this is just going to be over and over and over again. And he's never going to have the same kind of second chances. Mm -hmm. And he's constantly going to be on the outs. So the way I see it is, and this is from being from the South, there's a little phrase that we like to say (laughs) called bless Bless your your heart.
0: heart. (laughs) (laughs) Both of you in sync, same note. How did you know? Where is this going?
1: Uh, So I think that Mark Shifley right now is embracing the bless your heart ethos, Mm -hmm. where he is so fucking bad at matthew kachuk and he's also not gonna get dragged down to that level that's right that's right so now what he's doing is just saying like yeah you know fucking whatever i hope he freaking you know, whatever freaking, freaking whatever, whatever. <laughs> you'll get what's yours it's almost this very right. southern like zen you know that you're a better person you know that yeah. you got you yeah. got freaked up but you're just moving on you're like you'll get yours eventually but it's none of my business see what you're sweetie right exactly
0: And there's no doubt in my mind he seethed. Like Mark Shifley seethed about this. He went to dark places about this. But here we are like a week later and he's able to do that. Yeah, I believe you.
1: Also, he's a billionaire. So yeah, he's (laughs) fine. I mean, I'm really happy he, it wasn't the Achilles. his tendon yeah. <laughs> or his Achilles, and I think also probably that has a little bit of to do with it. Like if it had been extremely, extremely serious, then I would not have blamed him for not preaching forgiveness at this point. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but six months or a year or a career in the worst case scenario, then yeah, you you go down some dark places and you could stay there. I could imagine.
1: So what is the latest prognosis that you've gotten on his injury and actually on everybody's injuries? How's everybody doing?
0: (laughs) How's everybody? Um, With Mark Scheifele, the idea was that it was going to be a few weeks and that's it. uh, But that was pending more imaging and other tests as of Sunday. So I think what probably happened there is that there's been multiple opinions and multiple assessments of exactly the extent of things. So they're just trying to get everybody on the same page. This is my interpretation, not a fact. Mm -hmm. And it's almost definitely going to be relatively short term, but it's not 100%. Line A and Appleton, two two or three weeks each. Brian Little, we had a very sad conversation with Brian Little today. Um, He's not retiring. He's not announcing his retirement. Uh, He didn't even like saying that word, but he's clearly in a place. He hasn't played since... Like five years ago in October, he still doesn't have the clearance to, to to play, and he's now being made to consider both paths: the idea of being a, like an immediate retiree uh, against his will, essentially, or the idea that he might be able to come back and play. So he just lives his life, plays with his daughter, spends time with his wife, and hopefully next month's test is going to be better than last month's test was. And he honestly yeah. sounded it's worn on him. My read was that he's 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 coping.
1: I know that this has all happened very... Like, I cannot believe that the draft lottery happened on Monday, which already feels somehow like it was 12 hours ago and two weeks ago. Right. <laughs> yes. Can you talk us through a little bit what these results mean for Winnipeg this coming off season and some moves that you might predict or want them to make if you're Armchair GM?
0: Armchair GM cap on. the I For them to pick at 10 instead of 12 which is how they would have ended by points percentage just looking at the draft board feels way better than a two-spot improvement there's a chance of guys like Marco Rossi who's just a brilliant player scored almost at a Lafreniere level but people are worried about his size like what if he drops
1: small goals boys no respect they don't get any
0: respect no respect And so there's a couple of really good players that might drop. There's also a ton of good talent available where at 10, you could imagine them getting somebody for sure that's quality, whereas 12, 13, 14 is a little bit more of a gamble. So that's good for the Jets. I've heard some talk about sh- they should trade the pick, and I've seen Winnipeg trade its first-round pick so many times in recent They switched picks with Vegas in 2017 to protect uh, Toby Anstrom. They traded their pick in 2018. They traded again in 2019. They got it back for Jacob Truba. And none of this has fixed the second line center problem. And now the second line center problem is even bigger because Brian Little may or may not ever play again. So that's the number one. As much as the issue is the defense, 100%, it's the defense. This the defense is what held the team back this year. You can sort of see Morrissey, Pionk, and Demelo. And if they Mm -hmm. can re-sign Demelo, you can squint and you can see things working out. Villehanel is a really great rookie. Dylan Sandberg, a college player, is highly touted and signed, so he could be available. Sami Niku could finally. There's like all. There's enough maybes. That you mm-hmm. sort of squint and, and kind of see that there's something there. Up front, it's that second line center issue. Brian Little won't be around. Andrew Kopp can do so many things. He's their best defensive forward. Mm-hmm. Sincerely, he is and has been for some time. But there's a question about whether he can score enough to keep that job. First and foremost, it's re-signed Dylan DeMello. Then it is, use the fact that Winnipeg is one of the only teams with any amount of cap space heading into next season to try to go shopping for some low-hanging fruit and, and patch up center and then and left defense.
1: Is there anybody in particular that you have your eye on who's going into free agency that you think they might want to go after?
0: For me, it's Michael Granlund, longtime Minnesotan, uh, recent predator, has just such a a track record of being a strong two-way player and scoring which is what you want from that second-line center spot. Enough offense to, to put up points with Nick Eulers and Patrick Liney and whoever else is available, um, but enough two-way responsibility to sort of to sort of cover their ass, but also just be able to play against really good players and still come out on top of it. The issue with him is he's played m- a lot of center, but some wing, and what is he going to be in the future, all that sort of stuff. That's one of the guys as a free agent that I would love. I would love a five years ago, Miko Koivu, but he might be retiring, and he's going to be a wild till he dies. So yeah it's tough you can't it's it's tough to look out there and see an easy immediate solution
1: especially when like your pipeline has just been devastated there's just nobody coming up and I, that's sort of a question that i have for you is how does that how does a situation like that happen where you just where some teams have a lot of developmental talent and then winnipeg just doesn't
0: yeah part of it is it's twofold as, as far as i see it part of that is a lot of Winnipeg's greatest prospects over the last few years became Jets almost immediately. So you have... because
1: right. they needed them to play.
0: Exactly. Like Patrick Liney Nick Ehlers, Kyle Connor, all teenagers or early 20s players playing with the Jets and having an impact. So there's that. But then starting in 2017, they switch first round picks. So instead of Nick Suzuki, they end up with Christian yeah. Veselainen. That has not been a hit so far. He could turn into somebody. 2018, they trade away a first round pick. 2019, I mean, they trade one away, they get it back, but had they not,
1: and this is I feel sort of the consequence of this win now. Which I, you know, applaud the just for going because I think this is Blake Wendell. I think this was Blake Wheeler's last shot. This is sort of the pay of the piper kind of
0: That's exactly that. And it's not just picks I keep harping about, but even prospects. Uh, Eric Foy, they traded St. Louis for Stastny, partly. And then trying so hard to re-sign Stastny, they cleared out cap space by trading Mason to Montreal. And they package you Uol- Armia with him as well. A good young player and late picks. There are so many picks and prospects moving out of Winnipeg in the last couple of years that here they are, and their pipeline is down, and the answers aren't there.
1: Hey, they got hell of cash though, so it's not all bad. A hell of bucks. Uh-huh. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> to bring things full circle, what is one thing that you've learned about the Jets covering them this season that you didn't know going in? This is your essay, your first day back at school. Yes, essay. <laughs> <Five> <laughs> paragraph essay.
0: What I learned during my winter vacation. I, I think there were a lot of questions about the end of last year, how Winnipeg kind of fell apart in the second half. And there were rumors, uh, unsourced, unverified rumors about tensions in the dressing room and conflict and all those sorts of things. And then they went through so much. Bufflin's absence, all the injuries. Patrick Liney in Finnish press, somebody took him out of context and it sounded like he was shit-talking Brian Little. There, there were a lot of things. Um, yeah, Blake Wheeler starting the season by talking about how he didn't like himself at home. He wasn't a good family man last summer. He was so tense about things. And basically, I think the biggest thing I learned, because I expected them to take a step back, and then when Bufflin's out, you expect them to just be kind of bad, honestly. There's just, that's too many holes. But I learned that they handled their shit. That's what I felt this year, is that the the cliches weren't cliches, the stay in the fight, like, mantra that they kept saying. It genuinely felt like that. They had so many opportunities to kind of stop trying or kind of turn shitty towards us as media or whatever it is. And they stayed human and they stayed saying the right things. And you kind of got the sense that you believed them. I don't know what that's worth going forward because you need good players too. You need to fix all the other problems. But I would say that was the number one challenge that they faced was just kind of keeping it together and doing and saying the right things. I think, I honestly think they did it.
1: I wish you could run on morale alone. (laughs) (laughs) Winnipeg Jets powered only by good vibes. It's all it takes. Well, Murat, would you like to plug anything? Where can people find you?
0: Uh, w P G M U R A T. That's Winnipeg Murat at Twitter. Uh, obviously, the Athletic Winnipeg as well. And on, you know, just listen to this episode again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna doubly plug this. We hate a whole Play lot it of back. Hidden messages. <laughs> Play it backwards. Easter eggs. <laughs>
1: yeah. It was so nice to talk to you. Thank
0: you for having me.
2: Bye.
1: Thank you once again for joining us for another episode of Puck Bunnies. That was Marat Atesh from The Athletic. Big thanks to him all the way from Peg City for covering the Jets' season and their unfortunate playoff exit. Um, Thoughts and prayers to Mark Shifley, (laughs) Patrick Leine. Hope they have a nice summer. And you can call in with your questions or suggestions for our next episode at 774-318-6952. You can find the podcast on Twitter at PuffBunnies underscore pod. You can find us on Instagram at Pod. You can find me and Christina just floating around the internet ether, chilling, vibing. If you find us at the beach, leave us alone. Yeah, leave us alone. Don't talk to us. You can throw some money at Patreon.com slash PuffBunnies. You can also rate and review the podcast on your platform of choice. That's very helpful. Right now we are the one of the highest rated hockey podcast that is hosted by two american blonde girls with no hockey iq i think we're coming in first in that slot um but it's always nice to knock out some more competition and we will see you guys next time i'm audrey i'm christina and this has been Hawk bunnies bye
2: But strictly speaking, I'm still on track. Strictly speaking. Strictly speaking, I'm still on track. Strictly speaking,